What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Today's episode, I'm going to be joining Ethan Mathis over on his podcast. He actually interviewed me. Um, it was a super cool episode, and so we talked about it, and I'm going to post it over here on the Duck Gun Podcast as well. Um, his podcast is Not Your Average Hunter and um, yeah, we just had a great time talking waterfowl, uh, telling a lot of the backstory, the back history of Duck Gun Podcast and Duck Gun Chronicles. So um, definitely felt like you guys over here on this podcast would enjoy it as well. So um, yeah, let's get a quick word from our partners. Then we'll go ahead and jump on into today's episode. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx is a great waterfowler app a hunter app just in general, but we all are duck hunters over here. Um, and you know, in off season, it's no different. I'm knocking on doors. I'm, I'm searching for that permission. I, I can't tell you how many times weekly I'm, I'm getting on on X, just looking at, uh, different, uh, locations that I, I want to, um, make a priority for the upcoming season. So check them out guys, uh, over there on X, you can get it on your smartphone, um, whether it's Apple or Android or on your PC as well. Also, like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks, guys. Motion Ducks is the jerk rig on steroids. Use code DuckGun2020 over there. You'll get 10% off. Um, but, guys, it is um, just something that I'm I'm just not going to hunt with without it anymore um, just because the, I've seen how well it works. I've seen it on those no-win days. I've seen it when I can't get ripples in the decoys any other way, and that motion is the key to success. So check them out over there, guys, motiondex.com and get you one. Alrighty. Also like to give a big thanks to final approach. Um, guys, final approach is the one-stop shop for the waterfowl hunters, um, from their decoys to waders, to camo, um, to anything a duck hunter needs. They got it over there at final approach. And I've been running a ton of their gear this last season and can't wait to use it again. Um, this coming season because uh, their stuff is top-notch and, and, and just a great product for the waterfowl hunter. Alrighty. Um, also, I should mention you guys over there at Patreon. Uh, you guys are a huge support for me, and I'm super excited about the new group over there and to tell you guys a little bit about it on the Patreon group. Um, you know, we got we got two two different things you can do over there. You can join the early access and exclusive content um, with your support, or you can jump in. We're doing um, kind of a master class uh, live call, so we got, we got a small group of that. It's real exclusive of guys. Um, it's kind of geared towards uh, people who are are newer to waterfowl, but you know I'm sure that there's a lot of information that someone who is more of a veteran waterfowl could glean from. Um, our discussions over there on the live call as well. So, um, and not only that, but we're doing the hunt giveaway as well, um, where uh, the uh, one of you guys is going to come on a hunt with me. So, now the details are set. Once the the winner is drawn in August, we'll figure out a time and a location and everything that works for that. And then, as part of the giveaway, uh, I'm going to provide some amount of assistance financially to get you to where we're going to get you on the hunt. Um, Just all depends where you're from. So, um, yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump on in today's podcast. Hey, welcome, Jordan. You know, let everybody know who you are and what you do for a living. 
Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Uh, like you said, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, um, and that's my YouTube channel, whatever you want to call it, online persona. <laughs> um, but that's where uh, I have my hunt videos up on YouTube. I do a little bit on Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook as well. Um, and then I have the Duck Gun podcast as well. And uh, that keeps me pretty busy. So as far as I, I do for what I do for a living, though, um, I do not, I don't, I do not make content full time for a living. Some people I think make that assumption just because, um, they see a lot of other online creators doing that, but, uh, waterfowl industry is a pretty small niche area. So, um, I do have a regular day job as well. So I work, um, for a small local company. I do all, all the online marketing. I film the ads for them and I deliver safes and I sell them too. So it's kind of like, like I said, small shop. It's really just me and, uh, the owner and <laughs> I wear a lot of hats. So, um, yeah, I, I can imagine. I was going to say, I'm sure you've heard the saying, the only way to become a millionaire in the outdoor industry is to be a billionaire when you start. Right. Right. Exactly. And I, I'm glad you started off like that. The way I even came across you was your YouTube videos. It, the water comes up right after duck season ends. <laughs> right. So thankfully, we were uh, smart enough to pull all of our blinds out and pull, you know, all of our chairs and any anything of value out of it the last week in the season. So we we were at least prepared. I never would have guessed it would jump up that high, though. Yeah, that yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, Jordan, there, there's a million things I've, I've wanted to have you on for a long time. A lot of my buddies have wanted me to have you on for a long time. Uh, you've got a pretty big following. You've got super interesting content because none of it's the same. You're always diving into a new project and then you follow it up with a cool hunt and then you get another cool project and another cool hunt. So I, I'm pumped to have you on, uh, boy, let's kind of take it back to, uh, Let's let's say we'll start out at uh, early season. So how how was your early season duck hunting? Yeah, so um, this year definitely um, was something new for early season, and um, I, I had a good a, a good early season for sure. Uh, probably the best early season I've ever had. Um, but yeah, I went out to Iowa for um, teal season, so I kind of planned to go to um nebraska and that's been the first time out there i was thinking about it anyway i shouldn't say planned uh i can say loosely planned because that's pretty much how i run my season just kind of loosely planned and then reports of drought and dry weather and uh you know decided not to head that way and um and the opportunity to come to iowa came up actually someone reached out to me on Instagram and, and it's like the same place that I'd pinned on the map. This guy literally hunts the same area. I pinned on the map that I'd been wanting to scout it because it's like around four hours from me, which would be great for like a weekend trip uh, on the Mississippi river. And you just hear a lot of cool things about the Mississippi river. And, um, so I hit up those guys in Iowa. Um, first day we got out there and, um, I mean, it was hectic. <laughs> Apparently, you can only buy, you have to buy, like I said, I loosely plan. That's probably not my strong suit is making sure I have a solid plan. 
like I'll just wing it and do my best to make it work. And so far, I haven't uh, shot myself in the foot uh, too bad. <laughs> but um, almost on this hunt, almost on this spot, uh, this hunt, I brought two buddies with me. And come to find out, we try to buy our licenses on the phone while we're on our way to Iowa. And if you're a first-time buyer of a license, then you have to buy it in person. And Interesting. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, yeah. I, that seems crazy, right? So, uh, again, I had never heard that either. It's like it, like the night before at Airbnb, you buy your, your license or whatever. You're out of state. Um, no big deal, right? So... Um, we are in route to this place, um, in Iowa, this town in Iowa, and, um, we can't get our licenses and we're like, oh crap, we're going to run out of time. So we go, we go to the first Walmart and they don't have anybody. As soon as we get across state lines, like first Walmart in Iowa and, uh, they don't have anybody there that late. Um, it wasn't even that late, you know? Well, I guess it was. It was like nine o'clock or something. But nobody that can run their computers to sell hunting license. It's the day before opener. <laughs> you think other people <laughs> want to buy licenses, but you you can't. So, um, and I can't remember what it was. I feel like it was a a Phillips gas station. But we found a gas station online. We found that it showed this as a location you could buy licenses, and we sped to this gas station and um, get there. And just in time to like buy our licenses. And um, the only problem was they only took cash. It was like between the three of us, we barely <laughs> scrounged up enough money. So like some of us were going to get year long licenses. We had to uh, put them down to like five day licenses. And it was, uh, it was, it was chaotic. So you, you got a little bit more than you bargained for with, with the early season question. But um, yeah, after that, we got out there that first day, we shot a six man limit of blue wing teal. Um, the evening of that, we shot a seven man limit of, of dove. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> that was a, a solid way to start the early season. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, a little dove hunt before, a little, <laughs> little two on after nothing wrong with that. Well, actually opposite, opposite, but oh, man. in the morning and, and dove at night. But yeah. yeah, the whole trip though, we, um, we, we shot pretty good birds the whole time. I ended up getting a blue wing teal band, which is pretty cool. I feel like that's pretty unique. Um, so yeah, yeah definitely well, I was gonna say, where was it banded at? Um, man, you think I would remember that? It was in Canada. I'm trying to remember. It was like the big Delta marsh up there, Saskatchewan, or probably. I I'd have to look it up again. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, props to you. That's I mean, shooting. <laughs> Shooting any type of band, doesn't matter if it's early season or late season, it's pretty incredible. So, I mean, that's bragging rights, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well. Then we got home. We got home in uh, goose, early goose season. Just kind of continue on with the, the early season. Uh, and we just kept it rolling. Um, some of my buddies, same buddies that I took to Iowa with me, um, we had, we shot a bunch of early season geese and silage. Um, we had one hunt, we shot nine bands, <laughs> another hunt, we shot eight bands. Just, just to preface, it's not all about the bands, but it is sure fun when you, when you shoot it, you know, it's kind of just icing on the cake to the, the whole, the whole experience. And, and, uh, it was, I feel like, uh, 
me explaining how great early season was going a little over top, but it was just, this is not a normal early season for me or, or probably the other guys too. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty good early season. Well, I don't know if my phone broke up or if I just heard you wrong. Do you say you shot eight bands and then nine bands? That's right. <laughs> With you doing that, I mean, obviously it's hard work running a camera, but did you feel any criticism or motivation, you know, being a new guy, bringing your camera, filming your first hunt, you know, did you find it positive or negative? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to compare it that way. Um, just because really it's the only thing I, I've known. Like I can probably count on my hand, if not two hands, how many times I've hunted waterfowl without filming in my life. So really? <laughs> yeah, I've That's just, pretty neat. I've just always filmed it. So to me, it's just how I, how I started doing it. It's just something I, I decided I wanted to do. And, um, with that, you know, I was, I was filming, documenting, um, the whole, the whole process, the whole process of, of getting where I am as a waterfowler. And I feel like if I, if I hadn't, you know, it's kind of pushed me a lot. So if anything, I'd say it's a positive, I'm sure there are negatives to it as far as, um, maybe it takes away from some of your immersion in, in, in nature and the hunting experience. Um, you know, but for me, like never um doing it any different it really doesn't bother me to to do it that way I, I enjoy it and you know the the pros to it is you get to relive the memories you get to share them with other people you get to share them with you know whether it's family members or friends or whoever that that's the people that aren't duck hunters you know you can share that with them and hey this is why it's this is why waterfowl is a big deal to me you know um so you know there's definitely uh some pros and cons to both of it but kind of um hitting on what I was starting, starting to say, uh, it's really pushed me to, to be the best I can be as far as waterfowl hunting. And, um, I've got to talk to so many cool people in the industry. Uh, I've got to talk to and, and hunt with so many people who are, who are better, uh, hunters than me. And just, they're just a wealth of knowledge. So, uh, if it was just me learning without, with all, without all that, you know, I, I don't think I'd be, um, the waterfowler I am today. Well, and the other perspective is how cool would it be for you and me to look back at our dads and grandpas or great grandpas and get to see, you know, some of their hunts, you know, we're lucky to see a picture of some of their right. old hunts. You know, they can tell you stories about it, but there's so many of us that don't have a dad or a grandfather anymore. Being able to see something on YouTube and kind of relive that experience is, is pretty awesome. I think, I mean, I, I, yeah. I get to see old Polaroid pictures of my dad and that's about all I get to see. Right. Right. And I, my grandpa was a, a big hunter and, um, he hunted more, he, he did hunt waterfowl some, but it wasn't his main gig. He was really into the, the upland game. And, you know, I, th I think to that, they had a lot more of it around back then, but, um, I got this little, this little, uh, photo book. I don't know what you call it, but a, probably a photo book um and it's got old pictures of him in it it's like man i would kill to have a uh a video of his hunts and kind of see uh his interaction with his buddies because all i got you know you look at those pictures they're guys i've never met um he's at a place i'm like i only can guess where it's at you know because he's he's, <laughs> he's passed away i'm like uh and i honestly i was just looking at it the other day and i'm just like man i wonder if that's north dakota or 
Iowa or, you know, just trying to look at the, the background and the, uh, the vegetation and all that and trying to figure out, get a, a little bit of the, the story. And, um, it's like you said, and those videos and, and the stuff that's filmed and all that, it's, it's going to live forever. Yeah. It's pretty special. And I think you said the other day, you've got, you do have a, a couple kids or you have one. Yeah, I got, I got a couple kids. Uh, one's, uh, five and the other one's almost two. Wow. They're, they're going to grow up and be like, dude, I had the coolest dad ever. I mean, they're, they're going to look back at some of these videos. They might laugh at a few of them, but they're going to look back and be like, I mean, here's everything my dad did. This is kind of his life story. So it, to me, that'd be pretty special. I think it's pretty neat what you've uh, done with your YouTube page and your podcast and all that. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, next thing I want to bring up is, uh, you know, I, I've been – following along with your podcast for quite a while. I can't even remember how many seasons you have now, but uh, a few weeks ago I went back and I re-listened to some of your earlier ones and it was exciting just because it was more relatable to me. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was your first podcast is maybe one of your first 10. Uh, you mentioned you hunted 11 times without killing a duck. And, uh, yeah. and in my first year in Arkansas, I was in the exact same situation, man. I got in on a bad lease. The farmer scammed us. It was just everything about it went wrong. I mean, it, it, if you could point out every red flag, I was like, sign me up. And uh, it was it was interesting to hear a guy like you, you know, with so many followers and, you know, such a big, uh, you know, YouTube group and all that come out and say something like that because a lot of the people you look up to and follow you know you don't really hear that side of of their story you only see big pile pictures and different things like that so as soon as i heard that I, it made me kind of relate to you a little bit more uh you know i just want to hear your side of it like what what was your motivation what kind of lit your fire to say i'm not giving up i want to keep going i want to pursue this yeah definitely um <laughs> I, you know, if if you're asking me what it is, I guess it's just who I am. You know, it's uh, I don't care what it is. I, I'm I'm not really one to give up. So, <laughs> I think uh, I think just being out there, it's it's just uh, something. When I started doing it, that immediately I was just like, oh man, this is this is it. This is awesome. Um, it's not something that I had really done much. Um, like my first hunts were with my grandpa. We had. Uh, a little bit of a Thanksgiving tradition. I only got to do it a little bit. So it's like almost like wet my appetite and then they, they, they took it away. And, and I, I would say they didn't really take it away. My grandpa got in bad health and he was really the catalyst to, to what got the, the group together to hunt. And so after he was in bad health, you know, that was the end of my hunting career. So fast forward, um, man, I'm trying to think how many years, but you know, 13, 14 years from when I was a, a youngster, just going out, um, tromping around in fields, following five English pointers for Upland, um, to, um, me starting duck hunting. And, um, uh, my grandpa had passed away and, um, well, he hadn't, yeah, I guess he hadn't passed away at this time, but I inherited, uh, um, an old A5 that he used for hunting 20 gauge A5, uh, which is awesome little waterfowl gun. And, um, at the same time, um, uh, my wife 
had bought me a, a little chocolate lab puppy <laughs> and it's kind of the combination of everything. And, um, I just started water fountain. So, um, had no experience going into it, just trying to figure out as I go, I'd, I'd ask some guys that I knew that hunted, you know, a little bit about the, uh, how to waterfowl and where to waterfowl hunt and, and the rules and you go online trying to figure it out. But really I had little to no uh, mentorship, um, as far as figuring it out. And so that's kind of part of, you know, why, it, why it took the, the 11 times going out before I shot a bird. Um, just because really I had no idea what I was doing and chief at that point too, just to, to mention, he was only, he was only six or seven months old, which is way too young to be hunting a dog. So, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it, it, it's just interesting because you know, I I see it from so many different lenses now. You know, you uh, I I want to do everything I can to introduce more people to duck hunting, but I also understand where other guys come from. Maybe like you or me, when I first started, I didn't want to ask anybody for help because I I just felt like as a hunter, I should learn or know how to do all this if I'm going to go out and do it. Some guys like to ask for help and maybe take the easy way out. Some guys don't want to ask for help. Some guys ask for help and they, you know, they've got a great mentor, like you said. And it's just, you never, you never know where different people's backgrounds, where they come from and how they, you know, kind of get into it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think everybody comes from a different, you know, different, different way that they get into waterfowl hunting. And, um, you know, I think the mentorship, you know, nowadays, it used to be every, you know, father, son kind of thing. Your, 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 your father taught the, the son how to hunt. It was just passed on from generation to generation. It was like, those days are, are kind of behind us, you know, as a whole, you still have that, you know, quite a bit, especially in like hunting families. But, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily, uh, uh my experience. Now I do have my dad. I actually introduced my dad to waterfowl. So that's a, a pretty really? cool <laughs> to, to kind of have it in reverse you know me and my dad had done a lot growing up um we camped a lot we we golfed we fished but but hunting wasn't one of the things that that we did for for whatever reason he did have me in you know um in some shooting sports and stuff like that but um we just didn't hunt we didn't have land we didn't really have the opportunity or 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 we didn't go searching for the opportunity either so um but it's like you said it's it's a uh, you know, everybody comes from something different. And, um, I think that there's more and more of that. And so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of just a, a different air we're in as far as, uh, as waterfowl hunting goes. Hey, so <laughs> I got to ask, it, it wasn't, wasn't anything I planned on asking because I, I just assumed maybe your dad kind of introduced you to the sport. So how, how was that first time when you said, Hey dad, uh, I want to take you duck hunting. <laughs> <laughs> what was his response to that? Um, you know, I, <laughs> I think, I think my dad probably knows me well enough to know that I like the personality I have when I get into something, I like really, really get into it. I can't just be like, Oh, I'm going to hunt openers from now on. You know, I'm going to like hunt, you know, like, like a lot of kind of fair weather hunters. I don't know what percentage, but there's a lot of people who hunt opener and like, that's it. Right. That's their, that's their thing. Um, so when, when he heard me talking about it and saw me doing everything for it, uh, he probably knew it was, 
um, something I was going to dive into. Now, whether he thought I was going to start a YouTube channel and podcast <laughs> and, and all that, maybe not. But um, but by the time he, he started hunting with me, um, he'd already seen the content and watched me do it. And like I said, we did a lot of things together. So it was probably not a surprise to him that I was trying to get him to, to come along. You know, and I think at first, too, which is kind of funny. I'm trying to think about it. And and uh, I think he was worried about duck hunting compared to, like, we did a lot of fly fishing. That was, like, our, our thing. He was kind of worried that it would uh, take over the fly fishing. And it, and it really did, <laughs> actually, <laughs> did take over fly fishing quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, if, I don't know if, if he listens to this, what what he'll say. But I think the first time I asked him, he was kind of worrying about it being too cold (laughs) (laughs) as not a duck hunter. But once you get used to it and get the right gear, um, it's not, it's not really that cold. Oh, I I know for a fact, as soon as I told my dad, Hey, I'm going to join a duck club. I was probably the saddest day he's ever thought of. I mean, he, he raised (laughs) me to be a a purebred white tailed deer hunter. I mean, he, he, that's all he that's all he thinks about all day long is deer hunting and every time i talk to him about it, he's like i can't believe you go out there when it's that cold and go through all this and do all that <laughs> uh since i've been into it i mean he he's never once wanted to come mm. yeah so. i don't i don't get the white tail thing i really don't <laughs> I, back in the day, i mean back in the day i mean being from tennessee we've we've got pretty good deer hunting but and, I, and at one point in time, I, I didn't care about girls. I didn't care about partying. I didn't care about anything. All, all I wanted to do was deer hunt. Mm. And then uh, once I kind of got in, introduced to duck hunting, it was game over. I mean, it wasn't even a thought. It was just, yep, this is what I'm doing from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so when did you finally, you know, decide? I know you said the first t- couple of times you, you duck hunted, you brought your camera with you, but at what point did you kind of realize, you know, I'm going to kick it into high gear. Let's, let's make something actually happen out of this. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one too. Honestly, I, I can't remember like a, a specific time, um, that I, I decided that to, to kick it into high gear. You know, I know, I remember talking to my wife about it a little bit and being like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Like, don't think I'm crazy kind of thing. And, um, they always do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm too much. She's just like, probably like, oh, great. Because, again, she knows the same way my dad knows my personality, my wife does, you know, that when I dive into something, it's I'm going head first. I'm going uh, just crazy, hyper obsessive about it. And that's that's pretty much what I did. You know, the YouTube and and the hunting and all that together, you know, it's uh. And I just kind of kept rolling with it. The first season, it's like um, there wasn't many birds harvest to show. But, you know, I I just kept on going. And every year I got better at hunting and better at filming and better at editing and better at, you know, just kind of combining it all and and keeping going with it. And, and, uh, you know, I I think back then, too, there wasn't near the competition, like if you want to start a waterfowl channel now. So I I could kind of get away with not necessarily knowing i think nowadays if you start a youtube channel you got to have some some really good content to kind of compete with a a lot of the the channels that are putting out a you know just a ton of really solid content 
um, all season long. So, um, you know, a little bit of, of, of luck on, on the timing on my end too, for sure. No, oh, yeah, getting in at an early stage. I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to get into YouTube now and being competitive with all the other big names that are out there. I mean, it, you got to pay to play, and you having the skills to do it kind of gives you the upper hand. Definitely. So, well, that's neat. So, with uh, with your YouTube and your podcast, I imagine the YouTube channel came first, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. What uh? What was kind of your motivation behind that? As you know, six years, seven years ago, I think you said when yeah. you first started. What uh? You know that YouTube wasn't necessarily as popular. It's popular, but not as popular. So you kind of saying, "Hey, I want to do this." You know, you sure. were kind of leading the game. So what, what was kind of your thought process behind that? Yeah. Um. There honestly, there wasn't some big grand scheme or really thinking that it was gonna pop off. I just decided that it seemed like it'd be, it'd be fun to do. Um, and so it kind of, you know, I was thinking about this in the past, trying to figure out exactly how I came up, I came up with the idea of the duck hunting on YouTube kind of thing. And, um, I wasn't the first to do it, you know? So, um, the way I remember it, and you, you think back on these things and, and it's a little foggy in your memory, but, um, have you ever heard of freelance duck hunting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you have. So, um, but I had watched like a waiter repair video and, uh, for my fly fishing waders and it was freelance duck hunting. Elliot was in his basement, um, putting some epoxy on neoprene waders, trying to, um, fill in seam leaks. And I watched it, bought the epoxy. And I think we all know that like those seam leaks never work with, with those repairs, <laughs> but I did anyway. And it It'll work, work for but, a day. Yeah. But, uh, but nonetheless, I started getting, uh, notifications for his videos. Like, like I said, I wasn't a duck hunter at this time. I didn't have duck hunting, uh, family members. I did have, uh, one buddy that I knew that duck hunted, but like, I barely knew anything about it. But anyways, um, I started watching his videos, so <laughs> that's kind of really what, what got me into it, um, is that, and then kind of deciding, seeing him do it, um, and deciding that I was going to do it and, and kind of the other things added in there that I talked about earlier, like having my grandpa's shotgun and having this dog and feeling like I needed to combine all those together and do something. And uh, that's how I started duck hunting. That's how I started filming YouTube. Uh, it's pretty neat. I, it, it's funny you say, you know, you just kind of stumble across a random video or, you know, something you're interested in. One of the, uh, it's probably not the first video that I really got interested in your channel. But as soon as I saw that first, you know, ad or something about the duck bus, I was hooked. <laughs> I was like, I have to see every single project video because I don't know more about this. But I, I want to hear one. How did you even come across? How did you find this thing? Because you're the only, you're the first guy I've seen that has a duck bus. Other than you know, daybreak, they've got buses, but nothing, <laughs> nothing on the level of yours. Sure, yeah. Well, man, it was kind of a thing that uh, that popped up on the internet, and um, man, I had a I had a surgery, and I was like laid up, and I was just like 
binge watching like YouTube videos and I came across uh, somebody who did a bus build. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. I can't believe like people are doing this. It was like a, <laughs> it was, it was a, it was like a viral thing on the internet and like where everybody was getting excited about building these short buses. And some of that, you know, I think the, the, the fishing community started doing it first. If you watch any like fly fishing on YouTube, which I don't, I feel like a lot of people don't, but I do. Right. So, um, <laughs> anyways, some of these guys, uh, make those type of films and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I got the idea. And then I just started binge watching every bus build on the internet I could find. And like just tons of, like, there's tons of people doing it kind of like almost like the, the, maybe they're hippies. I don't even know, but <laughs> uh, people were, people were making buses <laughs> And this is back in like 2020, maybe 2019. This and, is like COVID because once you started, I remember right. tagging you in all these bus build videos. I was like, dude, call me crazy or call me annoying for tagging you in all these videos. But I just thought it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But it's like, uh, I think everybody must have, uh, like you said, it was like COVID air. Um, people didn't have a lot of time on their hands. Diesel prices were like $2. And, uh, people were getting stimulus checks and didn't know what to do with their money. I don't know, but, <laughs> um, anyways, it's a, it was a thing. So I watched a bunch of videos and kind of came up with my idea about how this was going to be the perfect vehicle for weekend trips. You can go anywhere, park it, camp, hunt. And I just came up with my design for how I wanted to do it. And like I said, I was the first one to come up with the idea of, of, of turning a bus into a camper but seeing all those videos was my inspiration and and um yeah i went for it so it was it's uh it's still one of one of my favorite projects i've done it's it's probably one of the hardest things i've <laughs> i've ever done because <laughs> of the uh, i had you know no real kind of tangible skills to that going into it and i just had to learn a lot going on the fly and um, the hardest part, man, the part that, that I would never want to do again was the whole bus was riveted. It wasn't screws. So it was rivets just everywhere. The ceiling. Uh, I remember every, watching you pull them all out. It was pretty painstaking. It was, and that video doesn't do it justice. Like it took me like a month to get all the rivets out. It was, oh man, it was, I tried every technique you could think of. You know, I was. I was taking a grinder and grinding the heads off of each rivet, which took forever. Um, I, I just tried every little thing you could you could come up with. Then eventually what ended up being the best way was just literally trying to manhandle it. And I had a, a four-foot crowbar, and I was just, with all my might, I was spearing <laughs> it into between the panels and the the frame, and then I would bust it apart. And I just did that over and over and over. And it was like, maximum amount of force and exertion that took to go you could go through like one panel um but like i did like the second half in like a few days where the rest of it just took forever because you know just diff different uh, ideas of how to do it and i finally kind of got good at it <laughs> how many times have you had you know where you're driving down the interstate or somewhere you know pulling up to a boat ramp and people just recognize a bus and they're like jordan what's up man <laughs> <laughs> that's actually funny because it happens way more than I thought it would. Um, especially like, it's, it's so like around the like openers or, 
or when there's a lot of duck hunters out kind of thing. And I'm, a, I'm based in Northern Indiana. And I say based, that's where I live. That's a weird way of saying where I live. I'm based in, <laughs> in Northern Indiana, but, uh, so that's my home, but I hunt a lot in Michigan too. And Michigan has like three times the number of duck hunters, if not more. And a ton, like probably over the last few years, like 50% of my content has been like dedicated to Michigan. Cause it's just a, it's a, a great waterfall state in my opinion. Um, yeah. but anyways, all that's being said <laughs> is, uh, going up to like UP, like I'll, I'll see, uh, people and that's upper peninsula michigan just for the people that don't live in this area but <coughs> excuse me um i'll see a, I'll, I'll see a lot of people um when i had elliot come out um and hunt with me this year literally there's there's a guy and he was driving a dump truck and he pulls up right next to us we're in the bus and i see him and he's like making hand signals i'm like oh man <laughs> my trailer messed up or it's like do i have a flat tire and uh so i open like i'm in the driver's seat so i have to like open like the mechanical bus doors and he's like hey man <laughs> <that's a crime." laughs> so and that's that's happened more than that's happened a handful of times which is honestly shocking that's so cool though i mean and you got to feel proud about it too you know it's like I busted my tail for this for so long and finally getting a little recognition out of it. It's kind of nice. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I'm not only, I, I almost don't know how to feel about it still. I'm just almost, I'm almost like embarrassed that, uh, that people know me kind of thing or something. I don't even know. <laughs> it's just, uh, cause I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just a dude duck hunting just like everybody else. There's nothing, nothing, um, different about me. You know, I'm just, I'm just a duck hunter I, <laughs> that uh, also talks about duck hunting and films and and does projects, you know. So it's it's uh yeah, it just it makes me feel almost like I shouldn't get the recognition or something. I don't know what it is exactly, but yeah, I just oh, want man. To, to realize I'm just a regular duck hunter. Oh man, there'd be nothing better than you have the duck bus parked in our driveway at duck camp. Cause I mean, the amount of people that drive by our place every day, they'd, there'd be people stopping in the driveway, just being like, dude, I got to get a picture of Jordan. <laughs> so it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. That's but, the only, uh, the only downside to the bus is that, uh, everybody knows it's you. <laughs> right. Yeah. If I'm trying to hunt like spot, like I even have buddies say, Hey, like don't bring the duck bus today. <laughs> Because they don't want it to be like a, it's like a beacon, right? It's a, a giant orange, <laughs> uh, bus sitting there. Like we've even stopped on the side of the road and we had a cop go by like four or five times. And then finally he pulled over, turned his lights on just like out of suspicion. <laughs> He's like, he, he stops us. Like we have, we, we literally had like a dozen <laughs> geese on the hood of the bus, like blood dripping down the bumper and <laughs> he stops us. And then takes a peek inside. Um, called. So what kind of field trip is this? <laughs> yeah. We're all good, but um, if we just had a truck, I think he would have uh, not even uh, thought about it. So yeah. Oh man. Well, it, it's such a cool project. I, I wanted to ask you about it for sure because I'm. I feel like I've messaged you a million times about how cool I thought that project was. But uh, as far as lane management stuff goes and going back to duck hunting <laughs> uh sure. man i've i've been a huge fan 
of the uh, the Snake Swamp series. Uh, I know you put a bunch of work into it, and as far as you know, your learning experience from that and trying to manage that place, you know, what were some of the pros and cons and goods and bads and you know everything about that? Yeah, so it is something I was just trying to learn um, and trying to make the best of. You know, I, I love the idea of building blinds. Um, and in our area, it's it's pretty it's pretty tough to find um, hunting spots, especially private. Pri- it's really hard to find private spots. There's public spots, but you know, then you got to deal with a ton of pressure. So you know, it's uh, kind of give and take. Uh, I love public, but I don't love pressure, right? So, <laughs> um, right. but kind of back to the 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 private land. It's it is really hard to find like a really cool uh, private land spot. So I'm, I'm super, uh, excited to have that kind of in my, my tool belt of, of places to hunt. And, you know, I wanted to do the, the most I could with it, especially with the landowner just really open to any idea that I want to do back there. So, um, uh, that was super cool. Um, super cool to build a blind out there, but as far as like duck numbers on the spot, man, the first year was the best. And after that, it's, uh, um, it's, it's not really been in our favor. So, uh, overall it's, it's, uh, I guess lower than, than, uh, my expectations of the property, but, um, and then as far as like the management, you know, um, it's got duckweed on it, like crazy. So, um, I'm not, I haven't been able to grow anything in it, so I haven't tried a lot, but I tried duck potato in there and it just didn't work. Just, I just don't think the sunlight's getting through all the the duckweed. So haven't tried anything else in there. <clears throat> was it was it a spot where you had the ability to control the water or was it a spot that, you know, you're able to build a blind and just kind of hunt it as it is? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could get a pump in there as long as the, the landowner is fine with it. Um, and there would be somewhere to pump water in and out. Um, but I don't do that. I haven't gotten to that extent. So you're right. If I was able to drain water out of there, I think that I could, uh, you know, get some of that moist soil vegetation growing along the banks. But my experience is that the first year we hunted it, the water was really high and it floods up in there outside of the banks up into the the timber. And, um, it, it'd make really good that was our best year when it was like that. But since then it's been dry the last couple of years. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm watching, I'm actually watching one of your YouTube videos right now, the snake swamp. And you can tell, you know, when it was dry, you know, you got so much vegetation and everything behind you with that timber, you know, you got thermal barriers, you got good food, but on a high water year, if you can't control the water, you know, it, it could definitely uh, see a decrease in numbers. Yeah, sounds like you know a little bit more about the management than I do, so maybe I'll have to pick your brain about it a little bit. So <laughs> figure out. Well, so primarily you you're typically hunting all public land, right? Um, yeah, or for I'm, for the most part, we do have some fields here or there, um, for sure. So a little bit, a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, this year was uh was actually my first year to hunt Indiana, totally opposite side of the state from where you're located. But it was interesting hunting southern Indiana and talking to the guys that own the property. 
there's it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of duck hunters in the southern Indiana area. And, you know, here in you probably North Indiana and, you know, Michigan and all that, it seems like seems like there'd be a lot more guys interested in, in hunting. But I, I mean I'm not from the state. I don't know what the situation is. Yeah. Um all, all I can say is we work really hard for the birds we get. I don't think that uh I would not put Indiana in a uh highly desired uh waterfowl state would be my <laughs> my thoughts on it. Like I said, <laughs> really hard and there's a small niche group of people that duck hunt in Indiana. Um but yeah, I think where you're hunting down in southern Indiana, they do have some good areas for sure. But I think it's far and few in between in the the state as a whole. Oh, no doubt. I mean but it it's crazy for for all anybody listening, you know, Indiana's got a lot of farmland. And, you know, what I hunted over was all flooded cornfields. And then I'm watching your one of your snake swamp videos and I was like, man, this looks like something I'd be hunting over in Arkansas. You know, it's a big yeah. buckbrush hole with flooded timber. Right. Yeah. Uh, it did have it does have a lot of buckbrush in there. So pri- primarily though, as far as like public land goes, what uh you know, what's kind of the landscape in that area that you guys are primarily hunting in? In public land, um, you know, we do have I'll say the one the one good thing that Indiana has is the rivers. Um, so we get to hunt a, and, and the river access laws. Um, so I don't know how it is in Arkansas. I know how it is in Michigan and I know how it is in Indiana. I know how it is in Kansas. I know like quite a few States. And as far as like river laws go, Indiana has the, the most liberal as far as, uh, allowing, you know, access and, and hunting where you can just pretty much be on any navigable river and hunt waterfowl, um, Michigan, you got to have permission from like both sides of the river. Um, Kansas, it's you can't hunt without permission except for it's like the the two or three big ones, um, which I can't remember. What's the Kansas River and the Missouri River? I can't remember which rivers it is uh, in Kansas. But um, and so yeah, as far as like our public land, that that plays a big part into to what I hunt because I can get up and in the rivers and, and have some good places to hunt for sure. Um, and then, uh, lakes, same thing in Indiana, the lakes, um, are pretty much all public land. Um, and then you do got to deal with people and early season, uh, fishermen and, and recreational use as well. So, uh, and then Indiana does have, we have a pretty big population or population density, I should say. Um, and so with the lakes, you get a lot of people building on them, um, which takes away from a lot of that hunting habitat. Um, but I do go, like I said, I, I do go up into Michigan a lot. And I probably hunt there um, at least half half of the season. Um, and I should, I should say just as much as Indiana, because I also, if I include all my traveling to Iowa, North Dakota, Michigan, all that kind of stuff, then... Um, you know, it's not really half the season in Michigan, but yeah. I should just as often as Indiana and Michigan, um, they, they have public lakes, but you had to, you got to have permission. So private access on a public lake. So, um, I feel like I've bounced around with a lot of details, but <laughs> haven't answered your question. Well, um, but, <laughs> but, but it, it's leading into, it's leading into another really funny, good question. 
<laughs> so to answer the question in short, primarily rivers and lakes are our public land. Like we don't have big public land marshes. I got to travel like three and a half hours to the closest one for that. Yeah. Uh, there, you posted one video and I, I'm trying to find it right now. I can't, I can't find it, but it looks like you, uh, you ran into a Karen or maybe it's a Carl, but, uh, you're in one place and you ended up killing some birds and some guy runs out and he's like, man, this is private property. And you're like, man, <laughs> we're on open water. What are you talking about? And he's uh, cussing you up and down, but uh, at least you said you're around. I mean, you, you knew your rights and what was legal and what wasn't, but I, I was cracking up. I can't remember what video that was. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we've actually, uh, we had another landowner we were into this year and um, same thing, but, but like we were even, we we're pretty far away from him. Like we, we couldn't see his house. Um, <clears throat> it was through like a cattail jungle and like trees and all that. And he heard us out there and um, he said, he started firing off shots. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's never worth uh, risking your life to duck on. I'll say that, but um, I don't think he was. At least I, I like to think he wasn't actually shooting at us. But um, no, there's no way. I mean, somebody right. no somebody can't be that mad, right? Yeah, just probably trying to scare birds and and that kind of stuff. So yeah, you, I mean, that's the problem with uh, what, what you what would you say like more urban areas opposed to like more wild place. I'll take the wild places any day of the week, but when you live in high density population areas, I think you're more likely to run into that type of scenario. And you do have to know your, your, uh, all your laws and make sure you're, you're, uh, walking the line and, and knowing <laughs> uh, what's right and legal. And, and sometimes the landowners don't cause they're not hunters. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's definitely right. As far as uh, Indiana, you know, Upper Michigan and the UP and all that, do you feel like there's a lot of pressure up there? I mean, yeah, I definitely would say like it just it depends what you're comparing it to because I feel like if you go, it it, it depends where you're at. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure in Arkansas. Um, we got a lot of hunters. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, it's a it's a duck hunting capital of the U S it's like, so if you compare to that, like, I, I don't know how it compares. Um, I, I know for Indiana, it's like, I think you have to compare like, like multiple things, right? The number of birds you have using the flyway, the number of birds you have in the area, and then the number of hunters and then like the number of fresh birds you're going to have. So it's like compared to that, it's like Indiana, we have very few birds. Our flyway is not great. It's not like where birds are trying to migrate through. Um, and we have few hunters. So it's like combination of that. It's like, we still have a bunch of pressure over the very few birds we have, um, with our small amount of hunters. Cause we have, I think our waterfowl license is sold, um, is like under 10,000, just under 10,000, which is pretty low. Um, if you compare it to other States, like Michigan is somewhere in like the middle 30,000, like 35,000 waterfowl license sold. Uh, this is me going off memory. So if like, if you're going to write like, uh, Oh, I'm not when you do it. <laughs> like, you know, um, these stats could be uh, off a little bit, but this is what I remember. So <clears throat> all that being said, you know, it's like Michigan does have a lot of pressure. There's definitely more hunters, 
but there's definitely way more opportunity. So for me, it feels like when we go in Michigan, um, even with being four times as many um, licenses sold, that there's less pressure because there's it's offset offset by the number of opportunities and the amount of waterfowl that's uh, migrating through. Right. Have you seen any kind of shift in the flyway? <clears throat> Man, I feel like it's uh, it's it's pretty hard for me to tell just being a new waterfowl hunter. And every year is so different than, than other ones. You know, this year we had probably the coldest we've ever had, you know, in my, in my life, as far as, uh, how that, that cold snap we had right around Christmas, uh, we still got cold like that one other time in, in our late season since I've been hunting and it wasn't even that cold. So, uh, it wasn't as, as cold, I should say, as it got this year. Um, but as far as like, the flyway shifting and that it's, it's, you know, I feel like my sample size is, is too small to kind of make that judgment. Um, but as far as like the specs, you know, um, I have been hearing kind of similar things like them, them coming a little bit further, um, to the East. Um, we don't get them up in my area. We got to go further to the West, just the way the flyway, the flyway is the great lakes kind of, uh, funnel the birds and, and I'm on, I'm right in the, the center of the state. So, I don't really see those. And then I think the further south you go, it, it spreads out and you definitely get birds um, where you were at kind of with those rivers all coming together. Um, you do get some pretty good flyways right there um, in that area. But that's actually Indiana's like a super long state uh, north to south. Oh, it's uh, a big so state. <laughs> There's no doubt. It's like five hours from me um, in that area. So, um, yeah, I guess I can't really say. Um, for me, it's I don't really have any data or, or judgment to to kind of give an answer to that. Yeah. Well, to, as far as the state, you know, state of Indiana goes, does it feel like the state has re- making any you know true strides to help develop waterfowl or to help manage waterfowl or public lands or anything like that? Um, man, that's a you know, I think that's a tough one um, for me to answer as well. I know we we definitely have waterfowl areas, um, and I know that I am jealous of other states and the opportunities they have. You know, I think that's just the cards we're dealt with right now. Um, I know that Ducks Unlimited and, and you know organizations like that are are doing work um, for ducks and habitat and all that. But as far as like you know, and then we have the state-run areas as well with draws and and um and hunting opportunities and you can if you get a early draw on those then you can do really well but you know i've gone to some of those just to kind of you know um uh, put an example of of the pressure um that these places get you know there'll be draws and um there'll be a lot of groups that don't don't even get drawn to go hunt you know there's excess beyond that um and then you know it's uh if you're not in the first 10, you're, you're kind of lucky to, to really get on the birds unless we're, we, we got a, a heavy migration coming or something like that. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I always think about like the Pittman Robertson act and different things like that, that, you know, all this money goes into helping conserve public lands and different things like that. And there's, there's gotta be money coming in from ducks and women and Delta waterfowl and different places. With so much farmland available and so much, you know, property and prime habitat for ducks, 
it kind of blows my mind that more people haven't invested into the state of Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is something that I've, I've kind of thought a lot about and kind of, I wish I, I was more involved with kind of, um, those aspects of it. And, and, uh, you know, currently I'm not, but that's something that's kind of been on my mind, uh, to put on, uh, on the plan for the future. What seems to be the most effective food source for ducks, you know, where you're hunting at? Sure. I mean, I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit. We have a lot of ag in the area. So, um, there's just, you know, 50% of them, if not more, are corn. You know, we got, we have one amusement park in Indiana and their slogan is there's more than corn in Indiana. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that being said, that that's a, a big source for, for ducks and geese coming through. So even, even if you're not a field hunter and you're, you're a water hunter, you're kind of planning your hunt around when they're, they're feeding in those fields and when they're coming back. And, uh, you know, I think early on in the season, obviously they're, they're on the microbials and, and, uh, you know, later in the season you got the smart weed and, um, and then I, after it freezes and a lot of those marshes are froze up, then it's like their only source is really that ag and that those cornfields. So, um, that's probably, you know, my best understanding of, of what the birds are, are using in my area. Yeah. But it, with, uh, I'm, I know the cold snap that came through Arkansas pretty much hit your area at the same time, but did that seem to push the ducks in or did that push them out? Um, right when that happened, we were out of season, so I wasn't watching it maybe as close as I would have other times, but coming out of it, um, it still was, it was still, it it was almost so frozen that I know there was birds in areas, but I just couldn't get any access to it. Like there's a, there's this one Creek that I hunt and, um, you can access it from, from the river, public land. And, but like the boat launches were froze, big water was froze. Um, so there's no getting a boat in. I asked three different landowners if I could just walk to this Creek that I knew was going to be open just because my previous, you know, experience, and I'm sure there would have been, I mean, that would have probably just taken care of our, our week of hunting right there. But, uh, no, nobody would even let me walk back in there, which, uh, was a pretty big bummer. Um, for sure, <laughs> you know, especially when their only reason is, oh, we just don't let people do that. It's like, I mean, I get it, but like, it's, it's your land and, but like, I mean, what harm is it for me to walk down to a Creek, you know? Yeah. I, and I was going to say, if, if people knew the background story with you and how you are as a hunter, you know, you're not going to trash the place. You're not going to, you're not going to do any harm to it. You're going to leave it better than you found it. Sure. De- I mean, definitely. Um, and uh, I think it's just sometimes it's hard uh, for people on the outside who just don't understand, you know, um, that waterfowl is not like just something we do. It's like who we are and um, and like we care about everything. We care about the land. We care about the birds. We care about everything. They're just, you know, I, I think nowadays, too, people are just worried about somebody walking anywhere on their property with a gun or whatever, you know. And I, I think it does depend on what part of the country living and how used to that people are but there's plenty of even farmers that you know 
which is kind of crazy to me, but that's not really a part of who they are. You get guys that are, you know, like you and me, I feel like we're kind of on the same page. You know, we're, we're going to respect the landowners and we're going to do everything they say and beyond. But then you have guys that they, they get rubbed the wrong way and they do things how we wouldn't do it or, you know, leave garbage and shotgun shells all over the place and leaves a bad taste in their mouth. So they don't, they don't want to deal with guys like you and me that are just trying to be respectful and say, Hey, you know, I, I just want to hunt. Uh, I promise I won't do any harm or anything. I'll sign a waiver. I've got insurance, different things, you know, so on and so forth, but it definitely makes it tough. Definitely. With your experience hunting different flyways, you know, what, what has been one of the biggest things you can tell from, you know, hunting the Mississippi flyway to central flyway to the Atlantic flyway? Can you tell much of a difference? Um, yeah, so I've actually never hunted the Atlantic, so I've only hunted the Mississippi and the central, but you know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, ducks are ducks anywhere you go. Like you can get ducks that, that are stale um anywhere it's just in a it's just in a bigger number right um when i've I've gone out to kansas when when the ducks are stale and it i mean it was very challenging for everybody we had some really good hunters with us and it was it was just challenging because the birds knew what you know they they were educated to the pressure they knew what times they were safe to fly in and feed they would just night feed so um we'd have these public land marshes and we could hunt in the morning. You could hunt it in the evening. You wouldn't really see much of of the of the birds moving at all. And then you could go out to the big public land reservoirs and see, you know, thousands of of mallards rafted. Um, and then you know we'd be walking out at, in the evening on an evening hunt, and I mean they were just tornadoing in like you wouldn't believe. There's just an unbelievable amount of birds in the central flyway. But like I said, it's a, it's the same thing. You can have that happen on a smaller scale in the Mississippi river or the the Mississippi flyway, I should say. Um, and uh, there's, there's definitely spots and locations and uh, where there's more birds in the Mississippi flyway than others. Um, but I, I'm, from my experience, there's, when you get out in the central flyway, there's, there's more birds, but they, they they'll act the same, no matter where you're at, you can get pressured birds. Um, when you have fresh birds, that's when you get those, those limits, you get those birds coming in, um, on a cold front and they're not really on that pattern of, um, we have to be here in the reservoir in the day and go out when the hunters are gone kind of thing. Uh, I asked about the Atlantic flyway. I thought maybe, uh, you'd hunt with Thomas at some point. I've been trying to get on, get in on a hunt with him for a while now. (laughs) Yeah, I have hunted with him. Um, but when we've hunted together, we've been in, uh, the central flyway. Yeah. I, I, I felt terrible for, for him this year. I, I don't know if you talked to him or not, but he, uh, he comes to Arkansas every year and the past few years it hasn't worked out for him to come to my place. And then the one time it works out where him and, uh, his buddy Nolan can come out and hunt with us. It was like 70 degree weather, overcast, no wind, and it was garbage. I felt so bad. I think we shot five ducks. <laughs> and, uh, it just it left me with the worst taste in my mouth. I was like, man, I, the day before the weather was great. We shot ducks and then 
sure enough, he comes out, he tries to film, and they're just, it's not even worth it. Yeah, I mean, that's duck hunting for you, and you kind of, you have the highs and the lows, and um, no matter what you do, you can't really control the weather, you can't control um, the fresh ducks, and if you have something on the calendar, you know, it's, uh, it's just, you're just going to run into that sometimes. Not every day is a, a north wind and a cold front. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Yeah, it was disappointing because I think the next day we ended up shooting like 18 or something out of that. And then it was just, it was kind of a bummer. We ended up having some really good hunts out of that same spot. And Yeah, you can't hit it lucky and come on the right day or, you know, or vice versa. You did that giveaway hunt, and I feel like you, you know, you always see those ads or you always see guys posting stuff about, hey, you know, if you subscribe or if you follow along or if you sign up for this, you know, we'll take you on a hunt. You had a guy, you know, he, he signed up, did everything right, and you ended up taking him on a hunt. It sounded like you all had some pretty good success out of that. I uh, I wanted to hear more about that because I, I thought that was really cool, and I'd give you major props for – Taking somebody out, taking a winner, doing you know, doing everything you said you would do. Yeah. So actually, uh, me and Elliot had done it two years, and the first year, um, huge bummer. But I ended up having a surgery and I couldn't travel. So um, he he hosted the guy, and they had like the hunt of a lifetime in Kansas. So it was like, like you said, sometimes you just hit it perfect. And I mean, they had just unbelievable hunting and so that was super cool for for that whole you know experience and elliot and and uh um the guy who got to come out for that and then this year um you know i've kind of been doing anything i could to get elliot to leave the central flyway which i don't blame him for for sticking around uh but to come out and hunt with me so we kind of planned the the patreon hunt giveaway um to be in uh michigan and it was kind of like one of those things where it's like you can't it's so hard to do something off the calendar but something like that we have to because uh, the guy's flying out and we got to buy that ticket ahead of time and um and uh you know all that and so um it, we we just had some some locations kind of picked out but we ended up going up to michigan kind of how we planned from the start even though you know, um, the forecast, well, I was trying to think the forecast wasn't like great, but it wasn't terrible either. Um, but we, we started out a little rough on the hunting first spot we went to, um, we only had one mallard finish and then we, uh, we whiffed on it. <laughs> I think there was like seven shots in that bird. I mean, oh, we're talking, yes. Spencer like, duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven shots at that, that solo duck. And, uh, and I mean, like ten yards. Not like I don't know how he got out of. It was like the only bird all year that that decoyed like that and got out. And that was the one on the, <laughs> the hunt. Trying to, you know, you, we got a guy coming in from Oregon. You're trying to, you know, uh, uh, have a good time and, and all that and shoot some ducks and um, and then the next spot we went to, same thing. Like evening evening hunt. We just we went to another spot. And flushed out a ton of birds, but it was like clear bluebird day. Nothing came back before shooting light. And so we're a little bit on the struggle, the struggle bus, figurative and literally. And uh, 
and then we get up to to UP Michigan. We did end up having some some good hunts. We definitely had a, a ton of ton of fun. He was um he was a riot. He he uh, enjoyed all of it, and we enjoyed having him there too. So it was overall, man. It was it was a really fun hunt trip. And I mean, I don't even know how many hundreds of miles we traveled, but every time we got done hunting, we like drove another like three, four hours somewhere else. So we we covered some distance. Well, with your uh, with your new Patreon page and all that, one, I want to know how people can get there, but two, are you going to be doing doing any more of these? Uh, you know, Patreon giveaway hunts. Yeah. Yeah. This year uh, I definitely plan to do another one. So, um, me and Elliot have split up what we'd been doing. So now we both have our own, our own Patreon, uh, pages on there. And so, yeah, I'm doing it again this year. Uh, I've just kind of started announcing that and, and talking about it. Um, but yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be exciting. I'm going to have one guy from the group come out and, and hunt with me and, uh, and I have no idea where, where it will be yet. I just know that we'll, we'll pick a weekend and, um, try to do the best we can with, with the weather we have, um, <laughs> and where we end up going. So, um, yeah. And that the page for Patreon is patreon.com, um, slash duck gun chronicles. It's called the duck gun club. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it is, another patreon hunt giveaways happen this year heck yeah dude i'll be sure to uh include that in the bio just for everybody click on take a look at uh looks like a fun opportunity and i want to get you down to arkansas i know maybe you have a little beef against southern hunters and arkansas guys (laughs) yeah man um i'm definitely down i know that I might even told you that I was interested one of the times you messaged. I can't even remember. <laughs> you have a couple times, um, you know, uh, and uh, I, I keep a super busy schedule during hunting season just with all the, the trips. But um, I definitely would be interested in, in uh, coming down there in January. Yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to have you. You're more than welcome. We got plenty of space what's uh what's the turkey season situation looking like in indiana oh man i've i kind of go in phases right it's like you you get so hyper focused on on one thing and (laughs) the waterfowl and then you kind of get out of it and you uh get a little time to breathe and then you start you know i start watching some youtube videos i just started i think i watched my first couple youtube videos of turkey hunts and (laughs) i got one from last year to 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 edit and um so like as far as like the the planning and all that you know, it's not too far uh, too far out i really need to knock on some doors and try to lock down some more property i feel like i mean just like anything else it's like you lose property just as fast as you can can get permission on it every year it's like you lose you lose one more or two more to, and you try to make up for it and and get a couple more locked down. It's uh for me, it's almost like a revolving door. So, um, but I do have I do have one farm that my brother in law, um, and sister own, and um, that's kind of that's a, uh, I think that's going to be the tried and true. We got to hunt it last year for the first time, and uh, and I'm excited for that this year as well. So we'll we'll see. I haven't even been out there to scout, but I'll probably get out there and and um do some scouting here soon and, and some door knocking, but 
um, still a little ways out there for Turkey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm still kind of in duck mode myself. What was your favorite hunt, and what was your worst hunt of this season? Hmm. Well, favorite hunt, man. And you um, can't say the eight or nine bands. That That's just not fair. <laughs> no, surprisingly, it's, it's not going to be that, you know. Um, those were some some fun, hectic, early season barn burners with, you know, everybody hooting and hollering and, you know, picking up a bird with a man, just, it was, you know, we're, our minds were being blown. So, um, that was definitely a good one, but, um, I think my, my favorite hunt this year is probably going to go, um, with, I had a solo hunt right after that cold snap on some skinny water and ice shelf just me and chief and I shot my, uh, my limit. So, um, I think that's going to, that's going to be my favorite, uh, hunt for the year. And, um, for those that don't know, chief passed away in January. So, um, it was only, it was only two, three weeks after that. And he he unexpectedly passed away. So, you know, that's one uh, that I'm going to hold in the memories and, uh, you know, so that that's going to take the the winner of the the favorite hunt for the year. Um, and I'm sorry to hear about Chief again, man. He was an unreal dog. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's not you know, as, as hunters and especially hunters with dogs, um, it's unfortunately part of the reality that dogs don't don't live forever, and it's uh, definitely tough to for us to to handle. But you know, that's just uh you know, it's just a, a statement to how, how much of those dogs mean to us and how, how important they are to duck hunting. And, uh, I honestly, I don't, you know, it's, a yeah, it's, it's just awesome to have, to have those companions that we have with us. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to have so many memories of his life, uh, with my hunting and I'm, you know, I'm not quite over, over the loss yet, but it's, uh, you know, I tried to watch that last video you posted about chief and, I, I I couldn't even make it a minute into it, man. I just I couldn't imagine how how sad it'd be to be without my dog. And my condolences go out to you. And I I hate that that even happened. Yeah, I appreciate it. Now, worst hunt, worst hunt of the season. Um, man, I, I only try to remember the good ones. And so, I'm trying to think of what the worst one would be. Um, did you, you hit any zeros? I, yeah, I did. I did have a couple here, there. Um, not a lot this year, this year. Honestly, this is probably, uh, one of my best seasons ever. So, um, yeah, I know, I know you, uh, you mentioned you hit one of your PRs for this year, which is awesome. Honestly, I can't think of a worse one. I'm sure I got a skunk somewhere. Well, you know what? Here's my worst one. So, um, the last day of the Iowa chill trip, um, we got skunks and I was feeling sick the night before, like, uh, like pretty bad. And we we're going to hunt in the morning and then head back home. So anyway, it's like, it was not even, a, I mean, 30 minutes in the hunt and like, I'm on the bottom of the boat, just laying down. That's just how I hunted the whole hunt. Just, I just laid down sick and, uh, I got like food poisoning or something. And so, like, I was literally, like, out, like, fever, sweats. Oh, it was, it was, it was terrible. And then we had to drive 
back home like that. And I, I mean, I think I just slept the whole way. Oh, well, I didn't sleep the whole way because I, I told him I was going to puke. And um, I was so out of it. I, I know we got out of the gas station for me to puke, but I don't remember if I did or not. So <laughs> that, oh, that's going to go down for the worst time of the season. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But. Yeah, the worst part about that is uh, you, you take off time from work and then um, you get back and you're, you're expected to come come back in, right? And then, um, well, you have food poisoning. You can't can't make it in for a couple extra days. Yeah. Yeah, they expect you to come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And like, <laughs> dude, you don't know how bad I feel right now. <laughs> right. If anybody want to find you on social media, what's what's the best way to find you on Instagram and YouTube and your Patreon page? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said earlier, Patreon is patreon.com slash Duck Gun Chronicles. Um, the YouTube channel, pretty much most things are Duck Gun Chronicles. Um, Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube. Really, that's the, the main thing I've done. Um, podcast is, is really a big part of it, too, um, as well as Duck Gun Podcast. Uh, man, I've been, honestly, I've been really enjoying the Instagram part of it, too. Um, and like, doing kind of going out of my way to 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 make reels um from all the hunts i go on uh during the year too which you know if you're not familiar with with instagram then you know it might might not uh mean much to you but uh, i'm on (laughs) you're probably not listening to this podcast (laughs) yeah yeah so um but yeah i think i covered that pretty much oh we got the facebook second chronicles honestly i don't do much on the facebook except for the Facebook group, which is the Fellowship of the Duck Nuns, um, which is a pretty big and growing, growing group of uh, duck hunters. You know, I try to make it a little different than some of the other groups and keep it friendly, keep out the, the people trying to spam and sell stuff. And it's just, it's supposed to be, you know, like-minded, like-minded duck hunters in a, in a cool place for everybody to, to hang out. And then also for me to, to share all the the content when it's coming out, whether it's the podcast or YouTube video or, or whatnot. So I think that about covered what you're asking. Yeah. Well, Jordan, thanks again for, uh, for jumping on here. I, like I said, I, it's been a long time coming and if I can finally uh, talk you into coming to Arkansas, we're going to do a uh, recap of uh, your thoughts on Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. Well, Jordan, hope you have a good night and uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. All righty, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Yep. Thank you. Bye. All righty, fellas. Well, that was definitely a lot of fun jumping over there with my buddy um, and talking all things duck hunting and, and, you know, definitely excited about a lot of things he talked about. But it was a, a, a different format than normal because I'm usually the guy asking the questions. But, um, you know, being on his podcast and he, him interviewing me was just like a – it was a breath of uh, fresh air as far as uh, recording the podcast and, you know, not something I've done uh, too frequently. So I um, hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, also, I'd like to mention uh, for you guys to check out the Facebook group for the podcast. It's the Fellowship of the Duck Gun. And, um, yeah, the group's growing like crazy. It's cool to see a lot of you guys over there and interacting with you, seeing you guys sharing uh, what you guys got going on, whether it's off-season projects or in-season, the birds you're getting on and all that good stuff. And and I'm sharing a lot of my updates of what's going on over there as well. So um, definitely should jump over there. Fellowship of the Duck Gun over there on Facebook. But 
Anyways, that's all I got for today, guys. I'm Jordan from Deccan Chronicles, and we'll see you guys on the next one.